0: This is five-point play, the Die Hard Duke basketball fans podcast. We are now in ACC basketball season two and zero after big wins over Clemson at home, and finally Duke went on the road. Everybody can calm down now, AC,
1: <laughs> Finally,
0: <laughs> we, we we went on the road, can everybody calm down now?
1: Uh, I don't I don't think so because Clemson is, or sorry, Wake Forest is ranked like. 160th in Ken Pomeroy's ranking, so I don't even think this one counts. Even though Elon and Wofford counts, Wake Forest doesn't count. So no, no, it doesn't count yet. It's got to be Florida State, and then and then when we beat Florida State, it's got to be someone. It's got to be somebody in the top (laughs) ten, and then when we beat them, it's not going to (laughs) count.
0: Right. Well, we'll get to our predictions. Uh, And you brought up Florida State. That's an interesting one. We're going to come back to that. Just remember that, listeners. We're going to come back to that. But we are going to start. this week, with the uh, the Clemson wrap up, a big win to, to obviously shake off the rust from a 15 day layoff and come out and really set the tone. Uh, it was as it was starting to become this team's identity. A slow start in the first half, mm-hmm. and then you know Coach K kind of ramps it up. Starts with the uh, the full point pressure, get a couple turnovers. Yep. Um, what did you see in that Clemson game that you thought? okay, the, the rust is now shaping off. W- what are we looking at as we're going forward for Duke?
1: It was interesting to watch the Clemson game because, and, and the Clemson game is a, a good, I think it's a good indicator for where this team is headed, which is, and, and Clemson's not the best team, let's start out there. They are a possible NCAA tournament team, not probable. Um, they're going to have to win some games in the conference to get there. They They have some good pieces and all that, but they're not, it's, it's not like it's like we beat like a top 20 team or anything like that, but we did beat a decent a decent squad in ACC school. What I saw was a team that could not play well and still win by 20 points. Like, I came away from that Clemson game thinking, God, we look bad, but we were, we won by almost 20, won by 19. And you're going to have to win ugly games in the NCAA tournament. And this team can do that. Some of the other Duke teams in the past recent past have not been able to do that. They haven't been able to win the ugly games. It had to have been pretty. It had to be shooting 60 percent from three and and just an all-out effort on defense for whatever reason that night then this team is able to play through that like there's still a horrible shooting team and we can still put up 20 points on teams uh, or win by 20 points I mean but so that, that was nice to see that was that was something that was really good to see out of out of this team and in that game
0: yeah no, I, I agree uh, it's not often that you can sit there and watch a team play uh, to start out the ACC season and Win by twenty p- points essentially, uh and think to yourself, man, I i just can't wait for this game to be over. I, I you mm-hmm. know, uh, there was obviously some some highlights in that game. Uh, <laughs> oh it, my God, where yeah, they? <laughs> we, 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 we'll, we'll get to that, uh, but we we let's stop on the negative first. I always yeah. want to the bad news out of the way first. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, we we all it's the elephant in the room. It's the elephant in the room with Cam. Yep. Uh, it, it's getting to the point where like you're just and I think I even sent it to you during halftime. I just wish that they brought Pam's mom into the locker room just to give him a hug. <laughs> yeah, <know? laughs> Dude, it, it, It's clearly mental, unless mm-hmm. it's some sort of injury that we don't know about uh, nagging him. But really, it, it has to be mental at this point. Right. And I, I think that he will get over the hump. We've seen this before with uh, Ingram. We've seen it before with Tatum. We um, saw it a little bit with Winslow, actually, mm-hmm. right around the same time. So it's not unprecedented. Uh, we all want, but the problem for Pam uh, or Duke fans, I guess, is that you see two other freshmen excelling right, right now uh, and right. really having the whole year kind of at the same sort of position as him. What are you taking from from the Clemson game? If you're if you're Pam, if you're, if you're the player, what are you trying to take from that game?
1: That game was a hard game to take anything from as a from a player standpoint because you didn't really do anything well. Uh, maybe the only thing that you could take away from it was is that your spot's not cemented because Alex O'Connell got more minutes than he's gotten all season, primarily because Cam was so bad. I mean, Cam was pulled in and, and a couple key moments there, and he's a guy that you want in during some of those times because he's one of those guys that can bring you out of that funk. You talked about this is a team that's creating the identity of, of being able to start slow and picking it up. Cam Reddish hitting shots keeps his team from starting slow. We saw it in Kentucky. When he, he had a couple of nice shots off the beginning of that game. So a nice flow in the offense in the beginning of the game. And we started out hot and yep. later on, we're going to need to be able to do that against certain teams, whether it's in uh, in conference play or in one of the tournaments, we're going to need, need to be able to, to score early. You can't sustain certain things an entire game. It's just college is just too competitive for that. So it's not going to be another Kentucky where we start out that hot against a good team and continue it. It's going to be one of those things where a good start is going to put us in a good place to finish the game. Well, So Cam brings that for us. The problem is, does he bring that for us? He hasn't done it yet. So he brings that possibility, I guess I should say. So if I'm Cam, I'm I'm thinking whatever I need to do to at least keep myself in the game and active. If I'm not scoring, it's playing defense, which he's done pretty well at times. Um, if, If it's not shooting, can I get to the basket efficiently? We'll get to the wake recap. I think he did that a little better in the wake game. From there, it's what can I bring to my team we have RJ, we have Zion. What is it that I can help this team do to to get to the ultimate goal, which is winning the title? Because he's he's got a title on the line with his team, and he's also still got some personal things, which is his draft position. At some point, the missed shots are going to hurt his position. Right now his position hasn't dropped that much. At some point it's going to. People are going to catch on and say, you know what, maybe he's not what we thought. So I don't know. Yeah, maybe he's going to run his own race with this. But, you know, what I mean, it's one of those things.
0: You know, it's interesting. You brought up a couple of points there. The, the one of the things that I thought about was Justice Winslow. Uh, mm-hmm. Justice Winslow. If uh, some people don't realize that uh, right around the, December, Justice came out with a hot start. He played mm-hmm. very well, and and you know, I know that a lot of times he's sap religious, but really he wasn't a hundred percent one and done coming into Duke. Justice right. Winslow was, and he kind of. Came out of the gate, caught a fire, mm-hmm. and started hearing the the rumblings about. Oh well, he's a, a surefire lottery pick. Um, he's gotta go. And you know, just as his mind kind of went to that. Is you know, oh wow, maybe I am a lottery pick, and I can go to the NBA. And it kind of affected his play a little bit negatively. K took him And he to even the admitted side. that, right? And K took him to the side during December or early January, and was like, "Hey man, you know, your play will take care of your draft." don't worry about anything other than your play for the team here, because that will translate to your draft stock. Mm-hmm. And it, it allowed him to play free. So from that standpoint, I, I really hope it isn't uh, him thinking about where his draft stock is, because the more you think about that, the worse you're going to play. But then uh, you think, then think about speaking, like, with that yeah,
1: with that point, how can he not? How can he not think about his draft stock? If, if I'm a I, player I in, in college well, these days, and I see my jersey being sold, my jersey number being sold, things like that, how can I not think about my draft stock, right?
0: I don't know how many Cam jerseys are being sold right now,
1: uh, and that's <laughs> that not, is, that's this not is really
0: a knock on him, uh, this is true. So, more, so I think a lot of number one jerseys are being sold. Absolutely. Uh, but, uh, I, I, you know, kind of on that point, though, uh, we do have the best scientists on the sidelines to be able to help with that. Mm-hmm. If anybody can get him out of this, it will be him, and he's Kay is saying all the right things in, in post-game and you know, talking about how well he's practicing and so on. Right. The other thing is I actually listened to the Duke basketball podcast uh, with John Shire uh, the other day, and John Shire was talking about, and this is a pre clumping game, that you know, with young players, uh, especially that they're going through a struggle, you, you, you kind of get in that fog where you miss a shot and it affects the rest of your game. To mm-hmm. this point, Cam really hasn't wanted to affect his game uh, right. on the defense defensive end, but it's kind of, it's kind of common. You see it, saw that a little bit uh, where you know, you're picking up cheap fouls, 74, 75 feet from the basket. Uh, it, it, and, and also now, six turnovers. And six turnovers. The turnovers are obviously terrible, but now you're what it is doing it. first of all, Cam's not going to get the benefit of the doubt anymore mm-hmm. uh, with the officials because now he's being labeled as a foul-prone guy. He stopped thinking, overtaking the game, and just want to come to him. And hopefully, you know, a couple of things that happen in the weight game will allow that to happen. But before we get to the Wake recap, on the flip side of that is Jack White, who continues to to light it up. Uh, jack White in the Clemson game was four of six uh, from three, yep. four of six on the ninth, 12 points, six boards. Uh, he, he just is a jack of all trades, pun intended. He's doing it all.
1: <laughs> Absolutely he's and he's just i mean he's he's just filling he's filling a role better than anybody has filled like a bench role in in such a long time you you see it other places around college every now and again um i mean you have role players you have glue guys every year espn and and athlon and some of the other sports publications pick out glue guys and underrated guys and the guy you don't think about and everything else like that and you know there's a couple around the country that do it and and a couple guys who fill roles very nicely and things, but what Jack White is doing is just—I he, mean, he's doing it all over the floor. And then what he's—the other thing he's doing is he's allowing the other bench guys to be able to make a few mistakes and play and earn some trust, because he's able to clean up a lot of mistakes. So Quees can come in and and give a little bit of time against teams where he might have to play a quicker player or something like that. Whereas normally he wouldn't be able to do that if you didn't have somebody like Jack White who can kind of help him out. And, and clean up his mess on the floor. Same with Javin. He, he plays a little bit with Javin um, in games and those two feed off of each other really well. And it's one of those things that it's it's one of those guys that you people say it and it becomes a cliche, but he really does make everyone around him better. And that really includes the bench. The bench has been able to to do what they do with a little bit of confidence now because of Jack. So it's it's infectious what he's doing.
0: Yeah, it, it really is. And I know that we've gone back and forth and, and had a big sentiment about Jack coming off the bench um, or, or potentially starting. Um, but, he, you know, the, the play of Javin and Marplees, um I've been very encouraged with. And I still think there's a lot of room for them to grow. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they're doing what they, they're tasked to do is to command that five spot. I love having the interchangeability there where based on the matchup of your opponent, we could throw Marpleis in there. Against yep. bigger teams, which is probably what's going to happen against Florida State, yep. and then against uh, you know smaller teams, quicker teams, he put in Javin, who basically guard one through five, and mm-hmm. so I, I really like that. And obviously, a, a quick shout out to Javin, who's got the uh, streak going. Uh, he albeit, does, man.
1: Nineteen in a row now.
0: Nineteen in a row, uh, albeit you know they're right at the rim. But that, but to be fair, that's what he's being tasked to do. So I mean, exactly. I, I, know, I know we talked about that, but let's go on to the next play. Next play. Talk about talk about the Zion three hundred and sixty. Just what, I mean, what was your initial reaction when you saw it? And well, I'm going. If I can,
1: if I can, if I can use the language that I used, I, the, the, my my exact quote was, "Holy shit!" Like that's that's those are the two words that I said when it happened. I just I couldn't believe I saw it in the game. I couldn't believe he had the the guts to do that in the game. And then the other the other thing about that is. It was nice to see Kay let that happen. I think I think he's whether it's a, a, whether it's experiment a little more experience than he had a few years ago, whether it's just Zion has earned it because he has earned it to be able to make a play like that. Like you you know how Kay is with some of these things. Last year, Javon Duvall tossed one off the backboard, dunked it. The crowd loved it. Kay hated it. Talked about it in the press conference how much he hated it. Elliot Williams a few years ago, three sixty against I can't remember what team it was, Presbyterian or somebody like that. Put a three sixty down at the end of the game. K sat him for for weeks after that. Um, other other plays in the past some reverse dunks, things like that. Maghetti made some dunks that K just you know absolutely despised. He but he let Zion do this with and and totally you know and that's what Zion does. We talked about it in a podcast initially, and Zion actually mentioned it in a post game press conference. He knows what his dunks do for the team. They ignite the team. We yeah. talked about that like in one of the first podcasts we did. We talked about how he knows that the dunks ignite his team. He chases those steals down for that type of play, not because he's being greedy and, and gambling out of position, but, but because he knows he can get it and he knows what kind of play he's going to make after he does get it. And that was just another example of this is what my team needs in this moment and for the rest of the season to, to show teams what we're capable of. And I, I think the world knows. And it's so funny how, I mean, just the world's Zion crazy Yesterday on Sports Center's top 10, a, a kid from, I don't, I don't remember what college it was, put down a, a two-handed 360. It was kind of ugly, but yeah. it was still a 360 in-game. And that was like the number four play on top 10. <laughs> it was like, it, that shows just shows how, just how electrifying Zion is and just how, how much he's kind of pushing down the rest of college basketball because he's just elevating things to a different level. And now teams have to look at him and say, holy cow, what are we going to do with this guy?
0: Yeah, it is crazy. it's crazy. It's crazy that the world is Zion crazy right now. I have friends of mine that absolutely despise Duke who are tuning in to every Duke game just for Zion and Zion only. And mm-hmm. uh, it, it's, it's it's just crazy. It's, 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 it's the Tebow effect. Uh, but he's living up to all the hype. Uh, and right. it, if, if that was even possible, uh, hopefully that mm-hmm. obviously keeps going. But uh, you touched on a couple previous dunks in, in in the past where Kay may have uh, not been so enthusiastic as the rest of his teammates were. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're, you're talking about you know the, re- the reaction of R.J. before uh, Zion even goes in the air, you know jumping yeah. up and down. It, that was an awesome the, camera shot. Yeah, and it's, it's to your point. It's what does it do for the team? And it absolutely right. electrifies it. You see, uh, I was at a a, a preseason game an exhibition game, and when Zion, you can see where Zion goes, and it, the, the the best part about the moment is the anticipation of it, and mm-hmm. it is that everybody's standing all that the, the, the collective breaths just being held to see what he's going to do, and then yeah. when he slams it home emphatically, the place just absolutely erupts, and there are two times in my life uh, in Cameron, and I wish I was there, that is one of them for a dunk, and the second mm-hmm. one, you brought it up, was Corey Magetti. Stuff. Um, I can still tell you where I was when <laughs> when I was sitting on the edge of a bed uh, and you know watching a tube TV, uh, watching Warren yep. McGetty pull himself up and slap the backboard after Elton Brand challenged him prior right. to uh, prior to the game. So I want to just talk about some. What are some of the top dunks that you remember in Duke history?
1: Man, uh, I love this. I love this topic. I would I would be remiss to not mention the dunk that made me become a Duke fan. Uh, I had a family who, you know, at the time in the in the 80s, this is a date myself, but in the 80s, the Big East kind of held sway um out any outside of North Carolina. The Big East held sway in college, in the world of college basketball. So Duke played Georgetown. Was I really a Georgetown fan? No, I was five years old. I can't say that I was a Georgetown fan, but to see Phil Henderson go up and dunk on Alonzo Morning that that made me I was a fan at that point that was it was over it was done lock set I I I was a Duke fan for life that was just to see him you know a smaller player go up and just challenge one of the best shot blockers in the history of college basketball NBA basketball even and and to just see him punch it down on Zo was just that was amazing man so that was I, I definitely have to mention that one that was one of my favorites of all time I would I would throw in there um the, the Jabari dunk against UVA, that was that was a big one. Tatum against UNC, all over Kennedy Meeks. I I, I watched that one on replay for for weeks after that. Um, and then just like I guess not, it wasn't overwhelming, but it was a moment. It was Battier dunking, uh, putting a putback dunk against Arizona in the national championship game. That was that he had followed that up after a, a disgusting backhanded tip in, and it was just one of those moment dunks that you just totally you always remember.
0: Yeah. Yeah, you touched on a few that were on my list, and I have a long list of them because everybody knows mm-hmm. that there's a lot to choose from, but the Henderson dunk was, was filthy over morning. morning. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the one for me that really keeps getting overplayed is the obvious one, which is the final against Kansas, where Fabian Hurley oh, yeah. is passed out of bounds, yep. and Grand Hill goes up, climbs the ladder, and then steps on another ladder to go up and, and extend <laughs> and get this dunk. That was, and not only
1: up but also away like for away, this that was, length
0: it's just yeah so everything about it and and the timing in the national championship was mm-hmm. was filthy a couple of the other ones and I, I'll never forget uh where I was which is why I feel like that's kind of like for me as a fan if I remember where I was during a particular dump yeah it meant something and the Gerald Henderson one uh in Maryland driving to the lane after oh my god yeah you know, after, after Nolan Smith got just a dirty play against him and oh, yeah. Dave Neal with
1: that dirty pick. Oh, my yeah. God, dude. That and, was what a dunk I, that I was,
0: was. I was furious. Kane was furious. You're, you're at Maryland. And Henderson took it upon himself. And yeah. he was furious. And he let the world know he was pissed. Uh, yeah. And his reaction was probably better than the dunk itself. It, uh, it, it was, was, man. That was amazing. incredible. Uh, and then a couple other ones I had were you know Johnny Dawkins going reverse style against yep. Navy. Uh, that was an unbelievable dunk. Obviously, everybody remembers the Dante Jones push-ups. Uh, and relaxing, uh, <laughs> One of the most NBA. disrespectful
1: dunks in the history of basketball. <laughs> uh, uh,
0: I still feel bad for them. Um, the other one was uh, I had the Tatum dump against Meats. So people actually mm-hmm. forget the Dunleavy dunk against UNC,
1: yeah.
0: uh, yep. That He went up to climb the line. I think it was over Haywood.
1: Um, On, uh, Jeff Cable. Jeff Cable had the cramp in his calf. And so he couldn't even, he couldn't really challenge it. So he got over late to try to take a charge and do even went over.
0: Yeah, Jason Cable. Uh, we're not going to think or J- that yeah, exactly. yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and then, so Grant Hill had one in 94 against Purdue that was filthy. Um, mm-hmm. Kind of set the tone because everybody was, you know, kicking the, the bait dog and Purdue to, <laughs> to, to roll us. Uh, and then there are a couple, a couple other ones that I just remember. Uh, I'm going to give a shout out to my boy, Grayson Allen. Uh, yep. He he had won his freshman year in the final four for Miss Three, and I don't know was that like a little indication of what things to come, uh, what things were going to be uh, Monday night. But that that one was filthy. Looking over at the bench, I uh, yep. actually thought he was going to get teed up for that. Um, <laughs> and then he's he's won against U, UNLV His yeah. uh, his uh, junior year that uh, that was filthy. Uh, and then there was one dunk that didn't go in that I actually have on the list, and it was Rodney Hood. He absolutely got hacked to shit. If he would have made that up, it would have won the game for Duke uh at Syracuse in the dome. Oh, that's right. And he I mean he took off from way too far out trying yeah. to follow off this thing. He that's got right. absolutely if you look back at the replay I forgot about even, that one. Yeah, it wasn't even close to it. Um I mean, how it wasn't a foul is beyond me. You can watch right. from any angle you want. Yep. It was absolutely a foul. If that if that thing would have gone that would have been possibly the number one dunk in the history of new basketball.
1: Yeah, yeah. No, that's right. I forgot all about that play, man. Good recall.
0: Yeah, yeah. So that was uh, that was one of my favorites. Uh, yeah, it didn't happen. Um, but yeah. So Zion Stump obviously was absolutely filthy, and the good news is is that we still have. You know, a another whole 50, season left, man. I mean, it's 125
1: <laughs> games hopefully to go. So, god, another um, man, isn't that crazy? Like, because then look, because you, you had like, like miles, miles against us, UNC. Like, if any dunk yeah, you get against yeah, UNC I didn't is have, iconic,
0: even miles the road,
1: with the 82 50 one. dunk, the finish then, to kind then, of put the punctuation on that game. Oh my god,
0: and, and Mason, uh, with the reverse, yeah, uh, put back. I think it was against Indiana. Uh, mm-hmm. that one, he had so. a few, his he had a, a had lot of nice,
1: a lot of nice highlights from Mason. Um, and
0: how, how about we didn't even bring up uh, anything from last year, that last year's team had more dunks than any other team in Duke history. I think you know, it's because it became had, so
1: commonplace.
0: Yeah, it did. And a lot of them were, you know, disgusting. I mean, yeah, like adults. if any other
1: Duke player did some of the things that RJ and Zion are doing this year in a game, we would think about that in the past. Like just from where college basketball was, yeah, we, we would think about that as one of the best dunks we've seen in Duke history. But they're talking, doing it every yeah. game.
0: We didn't even talk about the one that Zion threw off the backboard to RJ. Yeah.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Like, it's incredible, man.
0: Well, hopefully we get, uh, obviously, uh, a number of them against uh, Florida State and San Mm Francisco coming up. But let's talk about uh, the next play for the the, the podcast is uh, the weight game. Next play. The weight game was uh, Duke's first true road game, so we got that out of the way. Woo! Um, Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> um, my, my initial thoughts of, that, uh, uh, thoughts of that game were, this is a game, I, I have absolutely no doubt that we were going to win, I figured we win by about 25, it was sloppy, it was it was a game that I actually thought, um, the ref kind of didn't allow us to break it open when we had a couple chances there, and, mm-hmm. and both have, actually, but, uh, to, to be fair to, to the way if they you know did what they needed to do. They did a great job on the offensive glass. Uh, it was nice to see Pam hit that three at the end of the first half. Um, any other Big player time. on the team, I, I wouldn't have, you know, if they, if they had missed it, it wouldn't have done anything for me. But right. I think that Pam hitting that shot, he needed that shot. We needed that shot from mm-hmm. him specifically just to see it go in, get him, get him a little bit of confidence and, you know, kind of propel him. What did you see in late game?
1: That that three that was that was a moment that I think that we'll be able to look back at and say this may or may not turn his season around, may or not may or may not have, you know, been a, a the pendulum swing to the to the great side for this the final great side for this team. That, that was a confidence builder and, and even before that, that the baseline drive and dunk. Again, we've talked you talked, you mentioned that you brought up a really good point about it is when when he gets challenged, he becomes a different player and after that dunk, you saw him kind of wolfing with Childress, and those two had been going at it a little bit, and Childress is a little bit of a trash talker. So, I mean, you saw that 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 play ignited Cam. I think Childress ignited Cam a little bit. So, I, I said it. I think Florida State's the one, and, and leading into this game, he had a fairly efficient game. So, maybe that is. Maybe that's it. Maybe that's what he needed. He he got less minutes this game, not because of his play, but uh, I think he went to the, the locker room for a bit in the second half with maybe a a calf thing, and he also came back with um, a wrap on his arm. I think he got cut a little bit, but it was nothing serious. He came back playing fine. Um, But it was a sloppy game in general, just some of the physicality and things. But the one thing that this team did this game that they haven't done, didn't do so well against Texas Tech, didn't do great against Clemson, was they moved the ball as a team really well. And we've seen it against some of the lesser competition that Duke has played, and Wake is kind of in that same vein, even though they are an ACC team. But we still moved the ball well, and that was good to see.
0: Yeah, no, I agree. I, you know, Pam, you know, he still had his moments of struggles. There's no getting mm-hmm. around that. He had some really bad turnovers, and looked like he was on ice skates out there for a while. But he did make a couple plays uh, in that game where you thought that maybe he's turning the corner a little bit. He was still two for seven from three, but mm-hmm. it was nice to get a couple in uh, in his 20 minutes. Uh overall though, I thought uh I was encouraged by again, I was encouraged by Boulding's play. I thought he did very well. Yep. Um, you know, I think that it, it just kind of reaffirmed really to me that him and Javin are perfect for this team. Mm-hmm. And we said that all the way at the beginning of the year, you know, Bolden doesn't have to play twenty five, thirty minutes. Javin doesn't have to play twenty five, thirty minutes. Right. They just need to be consistently there each game so that, you know, again we have the 10 fouls collectively between them. We've said that before. But yep. really just provide that uh rim protection when needed. Uh but yep, apparently, you need apparently you don't need rim protection. you don't need rim protection when you have Jack one. Uh <laughs> <laughs> just putting up Mr Mr. Blocks. Five Blocks? Yeah, five blocks, whatever. I mean the guy the guy's unbelievable. He didn't score yeah. a single point in that game and I thought he played an excellent game.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Like to the point where you know, just thinking about who the player of the game might have been for that game, and his his name is always in consideration every game for player of the game because just because of what he does, what he does for the team. Like you, you could you could have voted for a couple guys player of game, you could and couldn't. You overthink it a little bit if you do that because Zion had thirty ten and five, which right. has not happened at Duke ever. So shout out to him on that one because that was what an, what an incredible display of basketball, and it's you know just to be able to talk about the other guys on the team the way we can and then still have a guy who does that. I mean, it just shows that this team, uh, uh, barring some kind of you know, horrid, horrid night, this team is the best team in college basketball, hands down. We have the best talent and the best team in college basketball. There's no question about that. I don't care about UVA. I don't care about UNC. I don't care about any of those other teams, Michigan. I don't care. Duke is the best team in the nation.
0: On the, on the negative side, though, because we do have to, to be honest with ourselves, mm-hmm. um, you know, this is not a good shooting team. No, nope. both both games, ironically, we shot seven of twenty three from three.
1: But can you imagine uh, if we become a good shooting team? Like not, not even a like not even a yeah, great shooting team, just a decent shooting team. Could you imagine? Shooting,
0: but I think that right now, uh, just playing devil's advocate, I mean, we're fourteen games into the season, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, we are kind of who we are at this point. I don't. Right. I think, yeah, sure. We'll have games where I think we'll shoot better. And seven for twenty three, but we still mm-hmm. have to also be concerned with games where we shoot two of twenty. Right. And you know those are games where our defense has to, to carry the day, and that's scary because so what happens if a guy like um, the kid from Marquette who just goes off and puts up right. fifty puts fifty three? You know, is it likely to happen? No, but in a one and done scenario, it it could.
1: Very well. Good. And so
0: yep. you, you got to be prepared for that and. While I still think we lose a few games, um, especially on the road, could be one this weekend, uh, UVA uh, at, at Carolina and some mm-hmm. others, but we got to be you know, wary of that. we got to be cognizant of the fact that uh, we got to find ways to get Alex O'Connell going. Um, yep. He's been kind of silent there. We, we need to find a way, even if it's drawing up plays for him when he comes in the game. to to knock a couple down, because we're going to need his shooting at some point during the season.
1: Yes, and he's shown now that he can be a serviceable defender, which is awesome. When the season started, we didn't know if that was going to happen, because he was pretty, pretty horrendous against bad teams, and the bad team's worst player, Alex, looked bad on defense. But lately, he's been showing some nice anticipation in passing lanes. He's been able to defend on ball a little bit, which is good. He doesn't have to guard the best player, so... So that's 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 a plus because this team has so many plus defenders, but his shooting is needed. and And the team's shooting in general is needed, and it's needed to stave off, like you said. It's needed to stave off that random game where the other team is just on fire. and because we're going to be able to stop some teams. The UVA game in particular is going to be a fun one to watch because if we can get in transition a little bit, we can we can do something against that team, but we also have to stop them from scoring. and we're one of the few teams in the nation who is capable of doing that. So will we be able to do it? Some of those other teams you mentioned, you know, they just have some players that can just go nuts. And in those types of games, there's nothing your defense is going to do. You're just going to have to score and get a key stop somewhere. We have guys who can get that key stop, but can we score with those teams if they are packing the lane in and not allowing us to get to the basket? Cause that's what we do so well is get to the basket, but somebody's not going to let us get to the basket at some point.
0: Yeah. The, the blueprint is out there for how to stop this team is not a secret. and
1: mm-hmm.
0: many But nobody's ways been it.
1: able to do it yet, you know? Right. Like, but they like, know how, and Texas get, Tech had, sort of tried right. with the charges and things, but nobody takes charges like them. You take away those eight charges, or even take just take away five of those charges from Texas Tech, and let's say we make the shot, or at least we get the foul call and get to the free-throw line, we're looking at a game where we beat them by 20 points, and... Now you're saying that it's it's a moot point. At that point, there's still no blueprint on how to stop us from getting into the lane.
0: To, to be fair, the free throw shooting is inconsistent. So we go 16 yeah. of 21 against Clemson, and then and then eight of 16. Right. Many of those from from Lange, You got to make your free throws, bro.
1: Exactly. You Zion
0: know, exactly. has knocked on wood here. I think kind of cleaned it up from the foul line. He's making a pontius effort. He mm-hmm. still shoots that flat shot, but. He's he's done in the role because he, he's a lot softer. So right, uh, while I'm not going to call him a persistent free throw shooter, but if he can be 70, uh, yep. percent that's all we need. RJ he gets to the line, he lives at the line. We knew that would happen. He needs to get you know stronger with the with his free throws. And again, I that, would be interested.
1: Way. I would be really interested to see RJ's percentage on on his jump shots when he's moving. It maybe it's just me, and maybe I'm overstating it. I could be very well so, but. When he's on the move, his shot is gorgeous, and it drops. Yep. Mid-range, three-point, everything. But his standstill is just awful, and then you see the free-throw line, a standstill shot, and it's like, huh. Like, I wonder if some – you know what I mean? Like, some guys are just better shooters on the move. Jason Williams was one. It's On the move, he was a great shooter. From the standstill, if he, you know, swinging the ball around his own or anything else like that, you couldn't 100% rely on him for that. And it's, RJ kind of seems like the same type of guy. He's like, on the move – that, that step back that he had against weight was brilliant and the shot was pure. But then you see him throw up a standstill from the top of the key, which should be I mean, a, a, no, a normal pickup player playing at your, your, your home lifetime fitness could hit that shot. And RJ just cranks it, man. It just breaks off the back and it's awful. Like, you know what I'm saying? It's like I'd, I'd be interested to see a stat that showed him on the move versus him standing still.
0: Yeah, that's a good point. Actually, one of my favorite players ever, as you know, uh, Trajan Landon was notorious for coming off the baseline pit, uh, mm-hmm. curling and, and knocking it down. He, he was able to square his shoulders as good as anybody has, I have ever seen at Duke. Uh, yep. doing that. So, yeah, no, I agree. I think that, um, you know, they'll have to try to figure that out because teams are going to dare Duke to shoot those stand- still threes. Yep. And, you know, both him and Cam, when they miss, it almost always seems to be long. Which right. is, you know, kind of crazy. You would think that you make the adjustment, but um, at some point, they're they're going to have to do that. Um, you know, kind of switching gears though uh, to the next play here mm-hmm. for the podcast is uh, let's talk a little recruiting. Next play right now um, is starting to heat up with uh, Isaiah Stewart. Uh, you and I have talked about Isaiah Stewart uh, offline. I yeah. uh, want to feel like for the last six months. What do you? Feeling? I know. I know. I don't want to put you on the spot because I know how you feel about this topic. But <laughs> what, what are you feeling here? You, you started to see at the beginning of the month. Oh well, you know, based on everything that he said and the recent um, article that came out by rivals, that uh, you know he knows where he wants to go. And right. most of us thought, oh, it has to be good for Duke. And then, of course, you're seeing maybe it's manufactured drama, as mm-hmm. is typically the case uh maybe he's going to Washington you know walk me through it uh you know if, if you if you please walk us through you know the Isaiah Stewart recruitment
1: if so if, if I had to say you know just taking an educated guess hypothesizing on where he's going to go to school I'm going to say it's Duke and I'm going to say it's Duke for for many reasons number one the first team that he was tied to when he became a nationally known player was Duke Duke went as far as to start recruiting some of his high school or AAU teammates. Uh, Joe Gerard being kind of the the one to go the farthest. Good sign that one of the guys that you are really looking for, you're having good conversations with. Good enough to say, hey, you know, here's another kid that I'm familiar with. I know, and we're looking at him because we're looking at you, and you know, maybe you guys could pair up well, well together. Obviously, Joe didn't work out, but we're still in it with him, so that's a good sign. Because anytime you see a team go after a friend, they don't get the friend, and then. The other, the other guy has lost too. We haven't lost that momentum with him. And, and then the, the manufacturer suspense. I think you, you see it a lot with the guys who cover recruiting. It's their job. So their job is on the line to get these things right and to put out good information. So when you have guys who are constantly one minute, they are so sure about one thing. And then all of a sudden they change it because they're not confident because just because it hasn't come down the pipe yet. Oh, so now I'm going to change my pick. Now I'm going to change my pick again. And now I'm changing from, from Duke to Michigan State, and then Michigan State back to Duke, then Duke to Washington. It's like, you know, stick to your guns. You know what I mean? Like, I get it. I get it's your livelihood and it's your reputation on the line. But you know what? Like, you know, like, you know, you have that feeling. Just stick with it. If you had that feeling before, stick with it. And, and this one, it's stick with it. Like, stick with him and Duke. There's been nothing to say that he's not, like, other than picking up another center, there's nothing to say that he's not coming to Duke. Is Duke going to be heavy in the post next year? Sure they are. But we've already shown that Jack and Javin can come off the bench. Queese, who knows what's going to happen with him. Maybe he's fine coming off the bench with these guys coming in. You know, if if so, so be it. You know, he's just living the college life, loving playing basketball and getting a free ride at Duke and going to come out with a great degree. Like, fine. But th- there's nothing other other than the amount of post players that we would have next year if he joined the team. There's nothing other than that to say he's not coming to the squad. He's a competitor. He's not going to Washington. He's a, too much of a competitor for that. They, he, there's nothing he's going to do in Washington that's going to build his brand and also help him get where he wants to be, which is national championship, because he is that kind of competitor. He is he is a Zion level competitor, not talent, just competitor. And to do to do that, he's going to have to go to Duke of Michigan State. So, I mean, that's that's how I feel about this one. And the manufactured suspense pisses me off. I hate it. I hate hearing it. I'm saying it's going to be Duke, and I'm pretty confident with that, and I think we'll see him commit within the next couple of weeks, three weeks, three to four weeks.
0: So you don't feel like uh, the relationship that he built a long time ago when one of the was over at Syracuse before he right. went to Washington, you don't think that that could be uh, a factor in, in this at all?
1: No, and if he has a good group around him, they're also going to make sure, because you, you can still have a good relationship with those people. That's the thing about it. A lot of these guys, you know, just because they go to another school doesn't mean they can't talk to someone else. Doesn't mean you can't email or text or whatever. He obviously has his contact info. They can talk all they want. Doesn't mean he has to be your coach. You have the option to go with him, or you have the option to go with Coach K and build something for yourself in a horrid draft, a absolutely horrible draft because the recruiting class is not great. So right. you you have a chance to go to a place to shine. And you see that with a team like this Duke team, they've shown they can take the top three players in the class and make sure that they leave as as lottery picks the way they're supposed to leave. So it's not an issue. Now I, I don't think that relationship is going to be the one that kind of drives that.
0: Yeah, so the other thing here, you, you touched on it, was the bolding situation. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the logic in you says, well, where is he going to go? Uh, having said that, he is on pace to... Uh, I believe finish his degree uh, in in three years. Yes, he on, is. You know, summer, uh, summer school and all that kind of stuff. So yep. there is uh, a little bit of talk that, and, and you know, if anybody would know, it would probably be Isaiah. Uh, you know, what is Bowden going to do after the season? Uh, right. And so many are starting to speculate now that Bowden is actually going to to leave after this year. Right, and play a great transfer year. Or, or do that, or yeah. or catch his hand. So. Yep. We'll see what we'll see what that actually translates. I agree with you. I think that Isaiah ultimately uh, has known where he wants to go, and I I believe that is Duke. I think sure there might be a little bit of that Zion where you know his heart may have been uh, at Clemson, uh, mm-hmm. being that home hometown hero type of deal. But you know, as is often the case, and we hear this all the time, the business decision you're doing the best thing for your family. For you and your future, and there is no better option than Duke. So, yeah, and that's the that's the
1: nature of college basketball right now. It's it's business. It's use and every parent, every every advisor or whatever else these kids have nowadays, they have all these people surrounding them, and they all say the same thing, which it's not wrong. It's college is going to use you, so use college to get yourself where you want to be. Plain and simple. And the loyalty factor and some of those things aren't necessarily there in terms of. I feel loyal to the hometown state anymore. Some of those other things. So yeah, man, it's like business decision. Like, well, how's Washington a business decision right now? How is that? I don't, I don't see how.
0: Yeah. I, I always go into the same thing, you know, business is business and Christmas is Christmas. So
1: mm-hmm. you
0: know, at the end of the day, you know, yes. I like that. <laughs> I, <laughs> I love that. I, I'm, I'm going to tra- trademark that. Um, you should. Man. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so really, I, I think that it comes down to, you're right. Yes. Because the school use you. Yes. But at the same time, you could use the school and right. there's no better brand. And by brand, I don't just mean Duke. I mean, all of the marketing things that they're doing from um, a college basketball marketing hype train yep. are, are better than any other program, basketball, football or otherwise in all sports.
1: And so has been for about no 12 years since Dave Bradley yeah, took
0: and, over. And since Dave, Bradley, Dave Bradley, I, I sent you some messages. Dave Bradley will be at Duke as long as Kane's there.
1: Oh yeah, and that's just a fact. And that's hopefully, beyond
0: speculation, it's, it's a fact. Unless some yeah. team's going to pay him millions of dollars to to go uh, pro or something like that, and, right. and, and work with the Chicago Bulls or whatever it might be, he he will he will be at Duke, and mm-hmm. he does a great job of marketing Zion, if he even needs more, RJ, Cam, and all these players to mm-hmm. the point where every single person on the Duke team, everybody knows. Yep. Um. And, and so from that standpoint, you kind of look at it. look, I'm going to get the exposure and. Unless I'm gonna fold to that, and, and I don't really want that, uh, I can't see a reason why all logic would point him toward toward going to Duke. So Absolutely. Let's, hope, let's hope. Let's hope in, in a couple of weeks that it actually happens. Um, yep. So let's let's finish off uh, our, our next play and our final pillar for the podcast. Next play. Our all predictions right. for the next couple of games for Duke. We got a big one on Saturday at Florida State, 2 p.m. This is, a big, this is a big game. It's probably going to be a top 10, top 15 matchup. Right. Uh, I'm just going to put you on the spot here. I've seen you predict on the message boards that you don't think that Duke's going to win this game. Why don't you go ahead and tell the audience why you think that is?
1: <laughs> For one reason and one reason alone, and that is Florida State's a very talented team. They're a very good team. They do some things that, that can disrupt what Duke likes to do. The and what that leads into is this is their only home game against against Duke or UNC. Like Duke and UNC, that is those are the games that you see Florida State get up for every single season. And they don't have UNC at home this year; they have Duke at home. So this is the one the fans are going to go nuts for. They're going to be they're going to be lathered up. They're going to be drinking from six a.m. till two p.m. Uh, and yeah, then some flasks in welcome. the stands. Yep, <laughs> and and some flasks in the stands they are going to they're going to go crazy for this thing man and it's it just is what it is it's one of those games where it, in college basketball even if you have a juggernaut team like Duke is, you, just a, a team that has some belief is so dangerous and then you have some belief coupled with talent and that's that's tough on a neutral site i I'd, I'd put duke over florida state 9 times out of 10 but at donald tucker with that kind of crowd and with that kind of momentum, and then having lost to UVA the way they did, I would have loved to have seen them beat UVA or something because maybe that would have kind of pushed down some of that fervor. But it, it, they got crushed, so they got to come out and prove something. And those those are the type of kids they play, man, and they they they're tough and they they spread the ball well. They don't have anyone in particular who scores thirty points a game for them, but a lot of guys hit shots for them. Um, they they go. They go about five five or six deep on the bench almost uh, in, in terms of, you know, just getting some playing time. Phil Kofer is back. The guy's been there for years and years. You know, Terrence Mann is just, he's, Mann is his last name. He is a man. He makes incredible plays off the ball on defense and offense, hustle plays that you just want anybody to make. They don't have like the typical Florida State eight, seven footers on the roster, but they do have, um, they have Kamaji, who's, you know, seven foot four. So he's going to be tough at the rim. RJ is going to have to adjust how he plays a little bit, or he's going to have to get him in foul trouble. One of those two things is going to have to happen. And I don't know if the refs are going to allow a lot of foul trouble at the rim simply because, you know, this is a big marquee game like that. It's going to be tough. MJ Walker makes huge shots for them, even though he's been in a little bit of a slump lately. Um, PJ Savoy always steps up in games like this. He always finds a way to hit some huge threes in these big games. So it's, it's one of those things, man. It's just, we're we're going to run into somebody who's going to beat us at some point. It's college basketball. It is what it is. And I just, I, I think this is one of those. Now, if they don't, then this is just another proving ground game for Duke. But if they lose, it's not like, oh God, here we go. Here's the end of the season. It's we run into a butt saw, And that's, that's as far as I go with it. Like, it's not going to be like a doom and gloom season if Duke loses the FSU.
0: So the, there's one thing that I want to point out. You are correct. We, and, and this is kind of a sidebar. We actually don't historically play well in early afternoon games. Right. So that, that could be a, just a small uh, note there. But mm-hmm. I, I want to bring it back to one thing. Ironically enough, all season long, you've been pointing to this game as being the breakout game for Cam. Yes, I do think that's still that way, Which is interesting because of the athletes that they have uh, and where he struggles are turnovers mm-hmm. and, you know, careless turnovers at that. So what do you see happening with him? You still think that's going to happen, but you still think we're going to lose. I right. feel like I something's going to get there.
1: I think, they're, I think they're, their athletes are going to be pointed towards Zion and, and RJ. Like They're going to point their guns at those two, and they're going to point yep. Terrence Mann at, at Trey. So you have our, our three-headed monster right there, and they're going to go for the head. So that has to leave someone. MJ Walker's not a great defender. P.J. Savoy, when he gets on the floor, is a horrid defender. He's a really good shooter, bad defender. He's just not athletic enough to keep up with guys with with any kind of speed and quickness. And, and Cam is going to be there. I think you're going to see that. I think you're going to see a struggle trying to get the ball inside. I think it's going to turn into a game where we're going to get a couple momentum plays and momentum shots, and they're going to come from Cam. And it's going to be one of those where we see it happen for him, and maybe that's what pushes him forward. Maybe this is one of those things that we lose, but we gain something out of the loss, which is here comes Cam. That's that I've I've looked at this game and it's it's felt like that since. I mean, we we talked about this probably podcast number two, I think it was right. Like, yeah, my, my prediction was Florida State was Cam's big game and the big game to propel him forward, and I, I think that stands.
0: Well, I, I hope you're right. Give us your score.
1: <laughs> it's gonna be. I think it'll be high scoring because Florida State likes to pace a little bit. They they like to push the ball just like we do, and they're they're gonna hit some shots. We're gonna have to hit shots. To keep at least keep it close, I, I don't see us getting blown out by any proportion, but I do see a somewhere around like an eighty-two to to seventy-eight victory for Florida State with a court storming, and I hate it so much.
0: Well, anytime we lose, they're gonna storm the court. That's absolutely part of the course. Uh, I see it a little bit lower scoring, uh, just from the standpoint that the last couple of games that FSU has played, I know one of them was against UBA, uh, but then they played Miami the other night. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was a little bit of a lower scoring game, a tough, kind of grinded out game, sixty-eight, sixty-two for them. I think he's going to be a little bit more long scoring than Duke is used to, but mm-hmm. I'm still going to take, I'm still going to take Duke, and give me Duke seventy-seven to seventy-four. Um, I'd be happy with that. Yeah, I, I, yeah. Would you though? I mean, I, you like to be right, so, uh, <laughs> but, but <we'll, laughs>
1: My brother, my brother.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, but we will. Uh, we'll stand by those predictions. We'll see what happens.
1: Okay.
0: Uh, and then let's talk about Monday night. We play a quick turnaround game, which I like. It's a Saturday, Monday uh, yep. turnaround, kind of a nice little NCAA tournament feel to it. We play Syracuse, mm-hmm. a completely different team. Played Playing in Durham, obviously, as a tradition. What do you like in this game?
1: I l- this, to start the season, I thought Syracuse was going to be better, and it's not like they're horrendous. They're still eleven and four, but they've lost some games. They they've won games against horrible teams, and they've lost games against good teams. So they don't they don't show out well. And they're two and zero in the ACC now, so you know they they obviously can play some some good teams. But Duke has shown well against his own this year, even without shooting well. They've shown that they can get into a zone, and outside of um outside of Brissette. Syracuse doesn't really have a lot of guys that can create problems for teams in in that zone set in terms of of shot blocking and and some of those things. So at, for at, to begin the season, I thought, oh god, here it comes. But anymore, I've been eh, it, this is a this is a game. I think especially coming off of FSU, win or lose, coming off of FSU, Duke is going to come into this game with with a little bit of fire and passion, and I, I don't see us losing this one. I see Duke winning this one. Pro- probably a lower scoring game again because of that zone, but seventy eight to sixty five. I mean, Syracuse just can't. They don't score well. Tyus Battle might have a good game. He might not. He's he's been a disappointment this year. In general, they've been a disappointment and inefficient on offense. And they don't they don't defend well enough for me to think that they're just going to come out and win this game. So uh, yeah, so yeah, so what I say 78-65? Yeah, I'll I'll leave it at that.
0: Yeah, that's Uh Yeah, you're right on Battle. You almost think you know did he kind of make a mistake not going, but. Um, you know, Hindstein's twenty twenty for him. I, I think mm-hmm. they do uh especially if you were right about Cam having a breakout game against yep. FSU, you tell him, then he should have a big night you would think against S yes. my Zone. Uh obviously Zion at the free throw line has been dynamite. I think that mm-hmm. we get a lot of offensive rebounds against that zone and should have a dunk fest. Yep. Um I think we score a little bit more. I, I want to give uh uh credit to to our defense. I think we're gonna shut down um i think we'll shut down battle i think that we'll have a, a really strong showing win or lose coming off for the state i'm going to take duke 88 to 71 in I like that it. game I, you know i think we're going to have a big, big performance i think we're going to see uh, a lot of transition plays because you know santa is is powerless with the ball and i yeah. think that's going to allow us to to get the crowd into it hopefully mm-hmm. early and uh, this will be the first game that we'll have played at home with all the students back. Cause right. Even the game against Clemson, it wasn't all students back. So. Nope. Um, and and a big shout out to the Cameron Crazies. They've been tenting <laughs> since the yeah. start of the year. So uh, that's kind of crazy. It's just goes nice to show you how much hype is around this team. But, Absolutely. But, yeah. But those are those are the predictions. Uh, big big game coming up here Saturday on the road uh, against the number thirteen Florida State. Let's get it done. Let's hope that your prediction on the score is wrong, but your prediction Uh on Cam is
1: right. Go Duke. Go Duke.